Today, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 4, with part 2 of a message titled, The Sower. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Would you turn to the book of James, which is towards the back of the New Testament, James chapter 1. James, who writes a shoe leather gospel, what's that mean? James 1. It means he writes where the rubber hits the road, man. He's saying, look, live out your faith. James 1 verse 22 says these words. James 1.22, but prove yourselves doers of the word. By the way, James was the half-brother of Jesus. One of the brothers, by the way, who did not believe in him until after the resurrection. One of the brothers who had thought he lost his senses in Mark 3. Now, James has become a believer and he says these words. James 1.22, prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and what I see is pretty much how I feel. (laughs) And then there's other times when I'm pleasantly surprised. Here's what I mean. Sometimes I feel worse than I look. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. But anyway, maybe it's the reverse for you. <laughs> but here's the deal. The image is of a person who looks at themselves and see what, sees what they look like. And then once they leave that, they forget what kind of person they are. Uh, some of this manifests itself in people with eating disorders. They can't see themselves in a healthy way. So they look in the mirror and there's a true image there. But then when they leave that image, they, they forget what kind of person they actually are. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be what? He'll be blessed in what he does. We talk a lot about blessing in the Christian church. Blessed, I wanna be blessed. James just told you how you get blessed. You do what God says. Back to Mark 4. Now, as soon as he was alone, so Jesus now, um, apparently this is a, even though there's going to be more parables to follow, this is kind of a, a, a pause in the story, and it gives us some insight into the question that was asked. As soon as he was alone, Mark 4.10, probably occurred later, his followers along with the 12, so more than the 12, began asking him about the parables. So they wanted an explanation. They weren't completely tracking with the meaning of what he was saying. And they had asked him earlier in Matthew, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he was saying to them, to you, it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, verse 11, but those who are outside get everything in parables in order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. While hearing, they may hear and not understand. Lest they return and be forgiven. Now, as much as this is a bit of an enigma and it might be a little hard to interpret, one thing I would say in keeping with the parable 
is the essence of what Jesus is saying is that the condition of one's heart determines the receptivity to truth. Would you agree? But you say, but the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can understand it? Yes, that's true. But there's another verse I want you to see, and it's found in Luke, and I think it's something to wrestle with theologically. Luke 8, this is the parallel account. This is important for you to see. Look at verse um, 15, Luke 8, 15. It says, and the seed in the good soil, Luke 8, 15, these are the ones who have heard the word. What does your Bible say? Luke 8, 15, in an honest and what? Good heart. They hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now I know that in theology, Jeremiah 17, 9 is used a lot and we know where the heart is. We know the heart is sick. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it if you turn back to Mark? However, there is an intimation here. The Bible is making it clear that soil that is prepared to hear the word will be more receptive to the word. Now, how does the preparation happen? How do you break up the fallow ground? How do you get the soil ready? Sometimes the soil gets ready through, you ready? Trials persecution, problems. Sometimes we're a little bit more ready to hear truth when the soil's a bit broken up. See, pride is a picture of hardness. The the Bible uses the image of the stiff-necked or the hard-hearted person. The seed hits and the birds immediately come because there's no penetration there. They don't want to hear it. They've got other things, people to see, things to do. You know what I'm talking about. But sometimes when life throws you a curveball and the axes hit the soil and you're like, ow, Then you wander into a church or someone shares the gospel and you're a little bit more open. Sometimes the opening is a wound. In fact, many of you, if you came up and shared your story today, would say, I became much more receptive to the word of God in a crisis, in a trial, in a difficulty. And that's okay, because that's often how God uses life circumstances to wake us up to things that are a little bit bigger than the world that we've created And there were people who were hearing truth and Jesus wasn't hiding it. He was sharing it directly, emphatically. The Pharisees were among those people who heard direct truth. He wasn't hiding anything. He was making clear the principles of the kingdom and they didn't want to hear it. So at some point when someone doesn't want to hear it, Jesus says they get everything in parables. They don't want to listen. They're not going to repent and return to me. Their heart is hard and they're not even going to try to understand In fact, this story would be a story that would indicate one's heart if one tried to spend a little time thinking about it afterwards or maybe even took up some courage and asked for an explanation. I mean, after all, if you were tracking with the story and you had an idea of its meaning, would you not look for further clarification? Would you not look in your Bible study notes to see, (laughs) look a little closer? I don't know that they had them back in the day. Would you not want to ask some questions or maybe contemplate a little further, especially if the one speaking this has been doing miracles left and right and things that nobody ever did before? Might you want to say, hmm, this could have some value for my life. Well, the religious leaders kept becoming this impenetrable shield and he said to them, do you not understand this parable 13? How will you understand all the parables? Many have concluded that this statement means this parable unlocks the key 
or is the key to unlocking all the other parables? I'll let you wrestle with that one as well, but it's very important. And he explains. The sower, 14, sows the word. Now you know, from the lips of Jesus, the seed is the word of God. That's what the sower sows, the word. I have a question. Are you a sower? Are you? Do you believe, and, and think, of, think of it this way, isn't, this, isn't seed a great image for God's word? Because it has life in it. It has all the, uh, the value and potential for exploding life. In the right conditions, a seed can produce an incredible crop just with receptive soil, sunlight, and water, can be amazing. And this is the image of the word. Luke 8, 11 says the seed is the word of God. Matthew 13, 19 says the word, the seed is the word of the kingdom. It is the salvation gospel, or more generally, it is the word of God. 1 Peter 1, through 25, if you want to write it down, it says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls, for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides for how long? Forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. He begins to go through the soils. He says, these 15 are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, Mark uh, 3, 4, 15. And when they hear, this is the image of the birds now, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. You might wanna write verse four in your margin, soil number one next to verse 15. And Jesus's language shifts, would you notice? Away from soil, to the words these in verse 15. These are the ones uh, where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Would you note that it's very clear that Jesus is saying that the soil now is people, specifically people's hearts. And the first soil with the bird image is an image of what Satan does And Satan waits in the wings like the birds in the original parable. And when the seed hits a hard-hearted person or a stiff-necked person, immediately Satan swoops in and steals away what has been sown. That is why in gospel ministry, there is spiritual warfare. We do need to pray that God would prepare people's hearts, that God would do something to maybe soften the hardness there, because Satan waits. Is Satan involved in when people are preaching the gospel? Yes, he is. But he can only do this because the soil's hard. So how would this work? Well, let's say you share the gospel with somebody and you, you get the idea that each seed is bouncing off of them. Well, what Satan will do is come in and just bring a distraction or get them to hear another idea. Ah, oh, nah, that can't really be true or They're so busy or whatever. And so all of a sudden, the seed is exposed. It's not gone down at all. It's easily easily snatched away. Everybody with me so far? That's soil number one. It's a hard heart. And so it just bounces off of them and Satan happily comes in and snatches it away. Matthew 13, 19, Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And so all of a sudden, this person hears the word of God, but there's absolutely no penetration of their heart. It's a hard-hearted person, and they move along. Such people, says R. Kent Hughes, hearts are hardened with presuppositions, distortions, prejudices, which steal them to the truth. They may be hostile, but very often they are simply uninterested. The main emphasis of Jesus' metaphor was busyness. These people beat the ground of their lives, asphalt hard with frenetic feet. This was and is a warning to people, quote unquote, on the go, who had no time for contemplation, who rarely give a second thought to the spiritual. As the truth bounces on the surface of some lives, Satan comes with a fluttering, chirping interest, some busy excitement, perhaps maybe some gossip, and flies away with a life-giving seed. This ground needs to be broken up. Often the plowing that is needed is some pain or stress or trial to soften that hardened surface to the relevancy of God's truth. This is how grace came into many of our lives, isn't it? Close quote. Do you want to be able to, to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on sola scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology. And you can purchase that and listen to it, give it to a friend. Intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. That's what's available at walkintruth.com at the store, and there'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. And so the evil one is there to snatch away the hard-hearted soil. Soil number two is explained in verse 16. In a similar way, these are the ones whom seed is sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. You write in your margin verses five and six. This is the explanation of those verses. This is soil number two, the stony ground, rocky place, quote unquote, convert or hearer, and Jesus's explanation. They have no firm root in themselves, 17, but are only temporary. Then when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, specifically, not just life's challenges, but persecution because of what the Bible says, What does the Bible say here? Immediately they what? They fall away. They are what we might call a shallow convert. They have heard the word. There seems to be an introductory excitement, a great response, but all of a sudden when it gets hard at work and someone mocks Christianity or brings a counter-argument to the Bible or brings some, some threat to their lives, they're gone. They were shallow. There was no true root in their lives. And the heat of persecution represented by the sun clarifies their true condition. They're nowhere to be found. They are scandalized by the idea that somehow they may have to endure some persecution for the faith. That's why it's important for those who regularly sow seed not to play games with listeners. Please hear me well. In the modern church, we're trying to make it so easy on the person who walks in because we don't want them to be offended. But if we don't give them the full story, they're going to be, many of them, stony ground converts. And immediately when they walk out the door and all of a sudden they're facing spiritual warfare and the potential of persecution, which in some countries will happen the moment you leave the church and go home. 
all of a sudden it's going to be hard for them to stay the course. Uh, One writer puts it this way. He says, there is nothing more cheering than transform Christian people. And there's nothing more disintegrating than people who have been merely brushed by Christianity. People who have been sown with a thousand seeds, but in whose lives there is no depth and no footage. Therefore, they fall away when the first whirlwind comes along. It is the half Christians who always flop in the face of the first catastrophe that happens because their dry intellectuality and their superficial emotionalism do not stand the test. So even that which they think they have is taken away from them. This is the word from which the anti-Christians too are cut. They are, all, they are almost always former half-Christians. A person who lets Jesus only halfway into his heart and is far poorer than 100% worldling. He does not get the peace that passes all understanding. He also loses the world's peace because his naivety has been taken from him. He's got knowledge, but now he's even more inoculated to the gospel because he let it go halfway home. And these are the people that are often debating uh, Christians who say they tried Christianity and it didn't work for, for them. Well, they had no root. Maybe it was an emotional conversion. Maybe it looked like the genuine McCoy, but there was no deep roots and they wither. And we're winding down. Look at verse 18. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among thorns. Soil number three. Connect verse seven to it. These are the ones who have heard the word. They've heard it. And the worries of the world. So here's the weed infested soil. Literally, you could render this the distraction of this age, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. By the way, fruit bearing is a main test for genuine salvation. And so these people, you know, the weeds were there, and it begins to grow up, the plant does, but all of a sudden the weeds kind of encircle it and choke off the life, and it produces nothing. And Jesus describes what the issue is here. It's distractions of the age, three Ds, verse 19. Distractions of the age, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Have you met someone like that before? You're asking, well, what are they up to? What are they doing in their faith walk with Christ? And they, it's clear that there are other things that dominate their lives. It's not a God-dominated life. It's The desire for other things are choking anything. Their heart is divided, one writer says, by irreconcilable loyalties. They attempt, Matthew 6, 24, to serve two masters. By the way, Luke 16, 13 through 15, says the Pharisees were lovers of money and they were scoffing at Jesus. The deceitfulness of riches, the love of money is the root. Think of the image of now the seed uh, analogy The love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of what? All kinds of evil. One writer talks about the deceitfulness of riches in this way. He says, this person tries to keep up with the Joneses. This involves buying things that you do not need to impress people that you do not like with money that you do not have. (laughs) A young man proposed to his girlfriend, and he said, darling, I want you to know that I love you more than anything else in the world. I want you to marry me. I'm not rich. I don't have a yacht or a Rolls Royce like Johnny Brown, but I do love you with all my heart. She thought for a minute and then replied, I love you with all my heart too, sweetheart, but tell me more about Johnny Brown. (laughs) 
close quote. That's sometimes how we are. A person who comes to church but never becomes committed to serving, who's continually preoccupied with other things, is a weed-infested heart. And so far, we have three soils that aren't looking so good. But Jesus rounds it out. But he says, and those are the ones, verse 20, on whom seed was sown on the good soil. So he's coming down now to the final soil, soil number four, found in verse eight, if you want to mark that and just write soil number four. And those are the ones, one in four, one soil in four, on whom seed was sown on the good soil. I gave you Luke 8, 15 as a cross-reference. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I think you could easily say these words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. These are the people who, the fruit is manifested in their character. Galatians 5, and 23 talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It comes out. The fruit is in their character. Secondly, it comes out in their good works. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should what? We should walk in them. And so the question is down to a couple things. One, are you a sower? Are you consistently trying to sow seed into people's lives? One plants, another waters, but God brings the increase. Are you involved in gospel ministry? Do you believe the gospel to the extent that you're trying to sow seed in other people's lives? And then the second question is, what kind of soil are you? It's a question that I think Jesus intended for us to ask at the end of the parable. I'd like you to turn to Hosea 4, and we're done. Hosea 4. So just before Joel, just after Daniel... Okay, kind of the second half of the Old Testament in the Minor Prophets, Hosea 4, verse 12. I want to I get to a solution. I want to give you a solution for your life, and this is something I was thinking about this week, and I want to do this more personally. I want to ask every time I open the Bible, every time I turn on a radio sermon, every time I'm exposed to the seed of God's word, I want to ask myself a question. From this point forward in my life, I'm going to try to do this. Lord, make my heart good soil. I'm not going to worry about anything else right now in terms of everybody else and what they're doing with this. I'm going to ask myself the question, what kind of soil am I? You might say, well, is there a solution here? I mean, is this kind of a final thing? Is Jesus just preaching this and and everybody's future is determined? No, I think some people there had a change of heart. That's often how we put it, right? I think some people who heard this maybe did some introspection. We know some of the religious leaders were converted to Christ. But the question becomes, what do we do? Like, what do we do if, if I'm one of the three and not the good soil? What if I am a hard-hearted person? Or what if, what if I have had shallow roots? Or what if the weeds of this world are choking out the word of God and the fruit therein? What do I do? Well, let's uh, go back and Look at Hosea 4, and let's look at verse 6. 
My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. That's sobering. The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me, and I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire toward their iniquity. And it will be like people like priests, so I will punish them for their ways. I will repay them for their deeds. They will eat, but not have enough. They will play the harlot, but not increase, because they have stopped, what? Giving heed to the Lord. Harlotry, wine, and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol, and their diviner's wand informs them. For a spirit of harlotry has led them astray, and they have played the harlot, uh, departing from their God. Skip down to verse uh, 10, verse 12. So with a view to righteousness. I think we're in chapter 4 because we needed to hear that other stuff too. So with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground. It sounds like it's something that you can do. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Well, I'm excited about our new program here, the new name change, and uh, Lord willing, we also pray that everyone out there that is listening with us in these, in these teachings and studies, that they will also walk in the truth. Amen. That's really the heartbeat of our ministry, Oscar. And something that you said in some of the promos that we did as we are coming closer to the name changes, even though we have a new name, nothing is really changing. We, we have new products. We have a new website. Those are positive changes, exciting changes. But, but the main and, and the plane of what we do teaching through the Bible, verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and the practice of expository preaching of the word, unashamed, unapologetic, preaching the truth in love, sharing with people that, hey, we're real people and we make our mistakes too, but letting the word of God speak for itself is really the passion of this ministry. And so, uh, this is a new chapter for us, and we've been doing this for a while together. It's been about nine years. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a new chapter with, I think, with this store. It's it's kind of the next, um, call it, step in our own uh, evolution as a as a ministry. And we've had more and more people partnering with us in our home fellowship and in the listening family. And uh, one thing that we want to do, Oscar, is we want to walk through every door that God would open to us uh, for new uh, areas that we can reach. Um, we just want to reach more people with the truth. So I would encourage you, if you go to walkintruth.com and you access the store and you purchase something, just know that what you purchase and any donation you give helps us pay for the radio uh, ministry and airtime, and, and really mostly for the airtime. None of us are making money from radio ministry. We're doing this as a labor of love. And uh, what we're doing is we're, we're praying that people will access the store. They will partner with us in the ministry. And they can even do something called become a Walk in Truth partner, um, which there's more detail at walkintruth.com. Final thoughts? You and I had this vision that we started a radio program because we wanted to get the Word of God out there. And it, the doors are opening up even more. And so I'm excited that we are out there helping equip the saints with more products, with more teachings, and also with part partnerships. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, 
or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.